Hey, g'day. Welcome to the Newsfair Podcast. My name is Shrek. Today's episode is very different. Um, we've got an immediate call to action to help out our Tasmanian Spiro community. Uh, the details are in this episode. Uh, Sonny Coyo Landed Lane joins me. He's um, Freedive Tasmania, the first homegrown freediving instructor in Tasmania. Very cool uh, young guy with a shop in his backyard as well. He just absolutely froths on the spearfishing lifestyle. But basically, Tasmania have had some uh, fisheries push uh, that discriminates against spiros, uh, particularly targeting four species and removing them, banning spearfishing from four species. And we talk all about spearfishing as a pressure on those species and why we believe that this legislation is erroneous or, the, or this this push, this new thing. And uh, there's a bit of a call to action to get involved and get amongst it should you wish to help out. Uh, but we talk, the, the conversation is broader ranging than that and I hope you enjoy the heck out of it. Uh, in one week or less than one week, I'm doing chat GPT with Trevor Kitchen and James Sacker as well. Uh, we talk about chat GPT's 10 biggest ethical concerns with spearfishing. And uh, we've got a few awesome episodes coming up in the life of Noob Spiro. Uh, the birth of my fourth child is just around the corner as well. So some of my intros and outros uh, for these episodes may be a little bit uh, dated. Uh, so apologies in advance. But hey, let's get into Tasmania. Spiro's call for help with Sunny Kyo Landon Lane. Here we go. Shop for your spearfishing gear at adreno.com.au in store and online. You can use the code NoobSpiro to save 20 bucks on any purchase over $200. Why would you shop with Adreno, I hear you say? Well, <clears throat> let me lay it out. Flat rate shipping, $9.99 on all orders. Hassle-free returns policy. Australia, price match guarantee. Shop now, pay later with Afterpay. Fully sick brands. Huge, obnoxiously ginormous range of great spearfishing gear made just for legends like you. Go Adreno, go pro, don't be slow. Shop massive, spearing gear at Adreno. I'll stop Shrek, that's a no-no. But seriously, shop with the Noob Spiro's longest running partner, Adreno. Head to adreno.com.au online or in-store at their huge mega stores. Use the code Noob Spiro to save 20 bucks on any purchase over $200. Buying gear online can be tricky. You ask yourself the same questions. Will it arrive on time? Is it actually what I want? How much is the shipping going to cost? Great news, the name you can trust is Neptonics. Neptonics have route package protection. Basically, insurance on your gear so you can have peace of mind. Free shipping to the lower 48 when you spend $199 or more. Clear, transparent communication on shipping time and most gear ships in two days. They also have my favorite. A no BS returns policy. That's right, no BS. And it's all backed by one of the strongest names in spearfishing. And it finishes with tonics. And it's not gin and tonic. It's Neptonics. Solid gear that works. Visit Neptonics. Buy tough gear. Use the code Noob10 to save 10%. That's right. Use the code Noob10, N-O-O-B-10, to save 10% on your order at Neptonics.com. Hey, g'day, Noob Spiro community. Today I'm joined by Sunny K.O. Landon Lane. 
it's a it's a it's a long name there, Sonny. But um, this is Tazzy's first homegrown freedive instructor. Um, Sonny and I have sort of contacted each other backwards and forwards quite a bit, um, trying to tee up an interview. We've we've had the added pressure at the moment of some legislation that's been proposed and it's being pushed through, and it's going to remove if it gets up, it'll remove access to several species in Tasmania for the for the Spiro community there. So we had this added impetus to get you on today, Sonny. So first of all, welcome to the New Spiro podcast, and then um, it's awesome to have you, mate. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, yeah, I've been I've been wanting to to have a chat with you for a really long time. It's it's I've been listening to your podcast for, for ages and um man there's there's some you've had some great people on here. I feel pretty <laughs> stoked to even be yeah, yeah, you know, on here. One thing I love about Spearin is that um there used to be this perception that you had to do it in warm, tropical, clean water. And these days the world is a little bit more clued up on the fact that with the improvement in wetsuit technology it's it's opened up access to areas like Tasmania that um that maybe have some awesome spearfishing and foraging opportunities. We're seeing it all over in these temperate climates, and um, we're seeing uh, it seems like the Tasmanian Spiro crowd. I mean, it's it's been there for a long time, but it's experiencing a, a bit of a blossoming and growth. Is it? Would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think like it's um, the the Spiros were always here. They were always, you know, doing stuff, but there was it was a pretty scattered community. Um, you know, when I was when I was first having that real passion for freediving, I had no buddies down here, um, and I like, you know, I was spearfishing as well. Um, but there was there was just really hard to actually catch up with people and talk to people. Whereas nowadays, there's been a couple of uh, quite recent. Um, advances in, in making that network kind of come together with a couple of key people there just going crazy on social media and Mike, actually michael seriani yeah. will bit of dob him and he's not even a local though either is he no no he's taking that you know that yankee kind of uh, um you know self rep you know repping for for all spirits here and he's he's um yeah he's been an absolute kind of keen machine um, just getting everyone else really stoked. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, shout out to him cause he, he, he seems to be pretty active and, um, and trying to do good things as well in your guys' community, just as you are. There seems like there's a couple of real cool personalities around and, uh, yeah, I think it's fantastic. I was, I recently jumped in another group the other day. It's like a Tasmania let me see if I can find it. It's another Tasmanian hunting group. Are you aware of that? Yeah, uh, hunter gatherers of Tasmania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like that's another really recent one that's just popped up, and and it's you know the the guy who started it is a Spiro himself, but he's not just a Spiro. You know, there's and that's the same with a lot of Spiros in Tassie. They're yeah. they're not just Spiros. Um, you you got like Spear Daddy, um, Wade Bramich, who is he's you know he's a he's a pig hunter in in the seasons where it's right for pig hunting in yeah. uh, in Flinders Island and and um you know getting deer and things like that it's yeah. there's and doing really amazing things with with the food too it's not yeah. just like oh yeah batter it fry it it's um he creates art <laughs> yeah yeah well that sounds like that Liam he introduced me to that hunter gatherers as mm. Tasmanian that's mm. what I mean about you guys have got a cool lively community and um 
it seems to be pretty cool online too. Like Tasmania seems to have like a, a Kiwi vibe to it a lot of the time. Like there's a like in New Zealand among among sort of the Sparrow hunting community, there's this real like back to basics sort of like you know, getting out in nature, immersing yourself, spearing, hunting, seafood foraging. Um, what do you call it when you, um, f- um, you know, grabbing like mushrooms and stuff from the forest? Yeah. And, you know, all that foraging. Sort of stuff. foraging. Yeah, I love so. it. I love it. Mm. It's 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 cool. I, like sometimes us in urban areas, we can only look on and just kind of enjoy it vicariously through like YouTube videos and stuff. Yeah, and and like. Um, you know, alone uh, that TV show that recently aired down here, and it's it's um, it's it's a dream that I think a lot of people have. But in Tassie, it's because we've got so few people and we've got so much wilderness here. It's yeah. a little bit more kind of it's easier to do as a way of life. Mm. Let's talk about Tasmania. So, like you've got you've got like hundreds of kilometres of coastline, um, and I'd imagine you've got a bit of variety in Benthos, like uh, from east to west, north to south. Walk walk us through sort of a general overview of of, of Tasmania spearfishing conditions. Well, um, look, yeah, we've oh, my goodness, you, you've got so many different worlds here. Um, that's that's kind of what I. And it's, I describe, describe Tasmania the same underwater as out of the water. On the north coast, you've got very different uh, rock um, rock veins, I guess. So, you know, you've got like dolerite, you've got sandstone, you've got granite. Um, and it's it's it means that you get so many different kinds of kelps. You've got, you know, really low kelp canopies where, you know, the canopy in that little kelp forest and Kelp is probably a bit of a strong word to use here. You know, little red algaes and green sea lattices and things like that. They're, they're, they can be chockers full of full of life and full yeah. of fish and quite a high biomass. Um, but they uh, – and it's, and it's you know, they're – at the same time, it's like going – looking over that, you if, you if you're not really clued into what you're seeing, you're mostly just seeing like, you know, a few urchins here and – a couple of tiny fish there and then you you know passing over some super cryptic species like a warty prowfish or something like that but <laughs> almost looks like a chicken like a fried chicken wing um it's like a, <laughs> um but yeah so yeah you've got you've got so many there's 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 probably like i don't know uh, just a bit of a ballpark here but there's you know there's there's probably at least like 10 20 different really clearly distinguishable biomes where you've you know you've got just sandy or you've got sandy reefy you've got low canopy you've and then you go all the way up to, to the giant kelp forest where the canopies you know it's like standing up with mm. you and your mate <laughs> kind of on each other's shoulders you're you're still not reaching the top of the canopy there and yeah. it's um it's going through those kind of forests it's it's a very different it's a very different experience to what i think you can find anywhere else in Australia. Well, you got you got current coming through there unusually as well. You guys are notorious for catching um, big southern bluefin tuna at, at certain times of the year, and um, also like really big wave surfing off Tasmania as well. You get that famous sort of weather straight off Antarctica as well. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the Tasman Peninsula, in particular, which is uh, down in the southeast little corner. That yes, you're right, and we've had an awesome, awesome uh, season for bluefin tuna. It's been it's been amazing. There's been people catching bluefin, 
every day just about and, yeah. and massive ones, I think. Um, it was a big 110-kilo uh, bluefin speared recently. It's like, And it's a small enough community that everybody knows about it. You know, yeah, it's yeah. Awesome. Um, and, uh, and, and particularly, yeah, we, we get Tassies actually um, with the East Australian current. Tassie ends up being a bit of a hotspot for warming water with that current that's coming down, and it comes down very close to shore. So we do get some, yeah, we get some awesome big species coming down here. There was a, a marlin actually captured recently on a line, not, not spearfishing, 200, 290 kilos. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, whew, <laughs> that would be a, that's that, what a monster. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, and, and on that same peninsula, Tasman Peninsula, they've got breaks like ship sterns yeah. um, or shippies. Yeah. It's, which is, you know, that's, it's a, uh, it's a real wild place. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. There's so many cool dudes too. Like again, an, another shout out I have to make is um, Tazzy Adventure Man Chris Bacon. Um, yeah, he yeah. had a recent video. He's just got this like real rustic smokehouse, which is pretty much just like a broom <laughs> closet in his backyard, and he just like sets up this smoker for for an overnight thing, and he's just throwing in the remnants of this big tuna carcass and mm. smoking it up, and it just looks so. So delicious. Like, uh, he's another bloke with a couple of recipes in uh, 99 Spiro recipes. The Tasmanian Spiro community seem to love their cooking as much as they, you know, it's also just part of the lifestyle there. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, um, he's I, he's kind of almost a neighbor <laughs> down here. Oh, sick. Um, yeah. Awesome guys. One of my kind of earliest students, actually, when I was oh, cool. uh, just starting my, my freedom Tasmania. So, yeah, he's he was great. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. People here, particularly the Spiros here take so much effort in making what they're they're what they've caught into something that's really tasty so you get a lot of line fishes that are like ah oh, nah brass wouldn't eat it nah wouldn't eat wouldn't eat kingfish even I'm like what um you know it's uh and, and it's like nah just give it to the cat mate and then you know but you, you get people here that will will take Australian salmon cocky salmon and and you know, make three, four, five different dishes with it and bring that to the catch and cook cop to just be like, this is it. This is amazing, you know. Yes, sir. Try this. This is dry aged. This is uh, pure sashimi. This is done, you know, marinated. It's awesome. Yeah, and they taste amazing. Mm. So where did this attack on spearfishing access come from? Like where, where – What's the motivation for it? Is there, uh, is there like, um, you know, is it where, where there's smoke, there's fire kind of thing? Is there some, is there some, um, some legitimate reasons for the concerns or the or the push for this legislation to ban access, spearfishing access to certain species? Um, look, as far as as far as getting specifically banning spearos, no, there isn't there isn't any real real reason why you'd want to. Um, I'll I'll go into detail, I guess, with with the the four species that are getting banned are banded morwong for for spearfishers, ban, uh, bastard trumpeter for spearfishers, stripy trumpeter, and sand flathead. And I'll I'll go from bottom to top. Sand flathead are rarely caught by spearows. The the spearows that do catch them um, in the recent survey that I've done, which still preliminary results, but uh, they're, they're taking on average four to six per year, um, whereas the, the bag limit for them has been like 30 
for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and, so uh, just, and, you know, it seems it, stupid then. You just clean up the bag limit. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and people do, you know, you, you, you get people posting photos on recreational fishing Tasmania taking 30, 30 little, you know, good, they're, they're all size, <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're getting the bag limit. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's, that's a perfectly legal thing for them to be doing. And, yeah. and, you know, um, the bag limits should be there so that we can actually keep doing that, you know. Yeah, 100%. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah, look, as far as sand flathead go, when you've got one person on one day taking 30 and then you've got the the average Spiro taking, let's say, five, four to six per year, that's there's a massive distinction there between who's actually kind of depleting that species. And and again, it's like I, I'm all for changes to the, the, um, the regulations yeah. on these species, um, but just why, why would you target spirits there? Yeah. We're, we're not, we're not doing anything. And and there's there's very little research that's actually done on spiros as well in terms of like you know what their catch is. So I'm I'm getting started with some of that as as a bit of a basis so that somebody mm. who you know is. Uh, is wanting to do a PhD project or something like that can actually pick this up and be like, right, I just need a bunch of surveys and then to you know collate a bunch of data and, and see where it's from. And anyway, yeah. So that's sand flathead, which are which are that's the big one that Tassie's talking about at the moment because it's been the recreational species for a really long time. Commercial guys don't get sand flathead; they get two percent of the of the total catch. So okay, it's yeah, and it's it's crazy. Um, you know, it's it's a purely rec- recreational species. It's should have been better managed, but it's it's depleted all of a sudden. So yeah. yeah. Um, and then the the other species, stripy trumpeter, is quite similar. So stripies are they're kind of like the the golden fish. It's like the the if if a spiro saw a stripy trumpeter, and I've seen them a few times. I haven't ever speared one because they've always been undersized. Um, if you see one in general, it's like, whoa, there's a stripey. That's awesome. Like Tazzy Adventure Man did in one of his videos, he's like, I saw some stripey trumpeter. Um, yeah. The reason being for, for Spear is to have this amazing kind of like, wow, what a trophy fish to, to get um, is that it is really deep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and and there, there used to be a lot more of them, um, but now there is a lot fewer. Um, and so they're, they're fairly rare. Uh, but line fishers have a much easier time getting them. You know, you can set a line in, let's say, um, 25 to 60, 70, 80 metres, and you'll be pulling up big ones. Um, and and line fishers do get, or at least much more than Spiros get. There's, I think there's a there's a handful of people of Spiros in Tasmania who I know have have gotten one, gotten one. Yeah, not yeah. get them and then there's there's one guy that i know who actually manages to get them on a consistent basis so you have to be a really top level spiro and then you know like i've seen him get three at most yeah. in one sitting and it's it's just it's hardly hardly a, a, a species that we're um you know take, taking a lot of um both of these species so far that you've mentioned uh, it seems like spearfishing's been branded as possibly one of the main pressures on them. But what you're highlighting is that we're a very, very small part of the recreational take on both. And you could solve the problem simply by 
having an extremely severe bag limit, i.e. like, mm. I mean, even if you wanted to, you could say you're allowed one, you know, like, yeah. and that it's, it sounds like you guys would still probably be happy with that. Whereas the, I mean, for, for flathead, which are a smaller fish, um, I think one would, I think a lot of people would be pretty upset that they can only get one, but at the same yeah. time having 30 is way too many. Why do you need yeah. 30 fish? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but but stripies are much bigger. If you got one stripey, you you know you're feeding quite a few people. Yeah. And I'd imagine that like, and and I'm not attacking lion fishermen because like, I I think that's a really stupid idea to attack, um, mm. other wreck fishes. But however, no, you know, absolutely. like, we've got to acknowledge our own um, form of access as a unique pressure and understand it and and acknowledge it. But then. Similarly, we could do the same with lime fishing, which is if they're deep fishing for these species, you'd imagine that there's a terrible attrition rate. There's no catch and release. You'd be bursting swim batters every time you pull one up. And and as well, to add to that, um, one of the main causes of of uh, dead fish is seals on the way back up because seals love stripy trumpeter and, and it's, it's, yeah, it's landing rate. So you might hook a really good one. But then it'll get chomped on the way up, and then you've lost your fish. But it didn't count towards your bag limit, you know. Yeah. So you you go and you do the same thing. I've heard of um, similarly with tuna as well. But I, I've heard of people line fishers down on the on the Tasman Peninsula going out hooking on to maybe like twelve and getting less than half. Yeah. So mate, they, they you can tell that they're getting a, a seal mauling it on the other end of the line. So it's yeah. yeah. But again, yeah, look nothing against line fishers it's um it, the only thing is i don't want to be discriminated against yeah um which which is not happening from line fishers it's happening from from fisheries yeah i just love a functional and simple spear gun that i can trust when i pull the trigger kill shot spear guns utilize the finest of kiln dried burmese teak Killshot Spear Guns also combine American-made parts and fine craftsmanship to bring you accurate, reliable, and simple spear guns that you can trust fish after fish. Get $30 off any Killshot Spear Gun at KillshotSpearGuns.com. Yes and amen, Uber. That's $30 off American-made performance spear guns at KillshotSpearGuns.com. I'm really sorry for this terrible accent. Brought to you by Ed Martin at killshotspearguns.com. Ocean Guardian is the world's leading shark deterrent technology, and the great news is they're now partners with the Noob Sparrow podcast. You can save 10% on the Freedom 7 or Scuba 7 when you shop at Ocean Guardian. Uh, use the code NoobSparrow at checkout to save 10%. If you want to go there, easy, super easy, go to noobsparrow.com forward slash OG, short for Ocean Guardian, pretty original way. Eh? Pump in the code Noob Spiro and you'll save 10% on your Shark Shield device. Get into it, get amongst it. Ocean Guardian are doing awesome things for Spiros. Learn from the best. Adam Stern's courses at freedivingfamily.com are written and presented by some of the world's best freedivers and most experienced instructors. Lessons learned come from years of freediving and teaching at the highest levels and are now condensed and available for everyone. Go to freedivingfamily.com, use the code Spiro. 
and you get 20% off any course. Now there's Frenzel, Advanced Frenzel, Hands-Free Equalization, there's Mouthful and Deep Frenzel Equalization, even by Finning Essentials. Get that finning technique right. It's the one percenters that make the difference in spearing and allow you to have more time on the bottom and you feel better even doing it. Go to freedivingfamily.com and use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Adam Stern's courses at freedivingfamily.com. So, is it? Do you th- okay. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll get into the motivations behind what they're doing. Maybe in a sec. I mean, maybe we'll be speculating as well. Mm-hmm. But how, mm-hmm. let's keep going through the species list. So we covered off uh, bastard trumpeter and the sand flathead and uh, stripy trumpeter and sand flathead. We've covered. Oh, sorry. So bastard trumpeter. Uh, the that's that's like a Spiro's mainstay down here. They are very tasty fish. Um, they are. You, you you can't really catch them that easily <laughs> um, on a line unless you're setting a net, which you know um, I don't think they take they take bait at all. Um, they're taking them on a net though means that it's we're we're the only state in, in Australia that actually still has nets um, u- usable by recreational fishers. Um, pretty well every other state in Australia banned them decades ago. Mm. Um, because you know it's it's not a very sustainable practice. It is a practice that people would be missing if they if they had to let it go, though, because it's you know it's a something they've been doing for a really long time. Mm. Um, but but yeah, so it's that's the only real way to get bastard trumpeter um, if you're not spearing for them. And uh, similarly as well, the the most IMS has said that most bastard trumpeter are taken by. Recreate, uh, recreational nets, um, followed by as bycatch in commercial nets. Um, they're not a commercially fish species, really. Um, and then in, so that does leave Spiros there to have some accountability, uh, which is, again, it's fair enough. We want to be held accountable because we want to, but we want to actually know why we're being held accountable. We want to yeah. have the data there. So, yeah, look, if if it's if it is the case that that species needs to be banned, it should be banned for everybody, and it should also be, um, you know, the potentially instead of banning it, just increase the size limit on it. You know, there's there's a whole lot of other regulations that we can put into it, not just yeah. increasing the size limit, bag limit, uh, seasonal closures, area closures. Yeah, it's yeah. So. Um, when you when you see these crude measures and like you guys again, what, what it's, it's just weird that they're saying no, not allowed to. So you, you guys Sorry are the you guys are the the third highest form of pressure possibly, and then yeah. they their idea is just to blanket ban spearfishing to for like hey guys let's 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 take off the third highest form of pressure and then that'll somehow magically improve the numbers. It, it seems. <laughs> it uh, it doesn't seem like a strategic decision. It seems like one made out of um, but, may, maybe possibly a dislike just for spearfishing in general. Yeah, and and it's I think that is where part of these these bans are coming from, really, because you you've got fishing in general. Not that many people, you know, comparing hunters, land hunters to fishermen. Uh, you, you're looking at. The, the public perception of those people is is like, oh, yeah, hunters, they're pretty rough, pretty kind of, it's a brutal way of killing things. Um, fishing, though, that's nice. You know, you do it with your 
your son, your daughter, and it's a family kind of friendly thing. Mm. You're still killing fish. <laughs> yeah. So when and and spiros in particular, they are viewed just the same or worse than than uh, than hunters, uh, yeah. land hunters, because because for whatever reason, you know, actually shooting a fish, spearing it, killing it much faster than uh, killing it when you when you're line fishing is is not so good, not allowed. Okay. Before we move on to the last species, do you think that um, the average Tasmania punter, right, do you think that they have an informed perception of what spearfishing actually is? No, I, I don't think the average Australian uh, in general <laughs> does, yeah. but I think particularly in Tassie, we, I like to, like to think Tassie is about 10 years behind the rest mm. of Australia, um, and Australia is probably... <laughs> five years behind the rest of the world in some ways, which is really <laughs> nice um, at times and then crushingly annoying at others. But, yes, yeah, Tassie, I agree. Tassie's, uh, there was a, I recently um, did an article which came right on time really for, for these bands. I did an article on who is spearfishing these days with ABC, like I did an interview oh, with cool. them. Um, and uh, who is spearfishing nowadays? And I basically... I mean, it was part of it was to get a bit more of a reaction, you know, make a bit more of a story for this uh, this ABC reporter, so that it, you know it would get more um, more views, more contact. So, what I was saying was, most of my students nowadays for my spearfishing course are people who come in prior; they're, they're like prior vegans and vegetarians. Yeah. They used to be vegans, vegetarians, and they want to connect with the ocean mm. and they want to do it sustainably. <laughs> um, but they don't want to, you know, they don't want to just go and buy their meat or, or get it from a place where they don't know where it's coming from. Um, they want to be the one who's taking it out. So, um, and, and doing that the right way. So one of my anyway. last students was the same. Um, yeah. She, she wouldn't, she wouldn't eat fish unless her, her husband had, um, harvested it themselves, and I, in some ways, I think it's really admirable, you know. And I, yeah, I, I can see that trend happening as well. It's a, mm. it's still a, a a relatively small niche, but it's like, and you can respect that ethical choice. Mm. I admire it in some ways. Mm. Mm. It, you know, it's it's a it's a way of of um, if you if you think about them, it's like I I don't I don't even they're not the average vegan who's just you know. Um, or the, the stereotypical one who's yelling at you about this and that they're they're, they're not taking fish because they uh, they think they're too cute to take you know they're they're taking fish because they're doing it the right way and they're thinking about it so mm. yeah um under under you know with some of the comments that were being made in underneath the article it was like what I thought spearfishing was banned years ago <laughs> it's like it's like yeah no people people don't know what spearfishing is and and um, they they are vehemently against it just because of it it being a seeing as a brutal and violent kind of thing, which is it's definitely yeah. I mean, sometimes like you know, I've got you on here, Sonny, and and it's almost we're preaching to the choir, you know, because oh, absolutely, no one's going to listen to a spearfishing <laughs> podcast that doesn't love spearfishing. In a lot of ways, I wish we we had more of a, a voice in the public uh, zone, mm. and a lot of the ways we get attention around spearfishing is like just the pure clickbaity bullshit like 
sharks and, you know, drama, always drama. It's not like, you know, one of the real cool things I like is Kimmy Werner being on Meat Eater these days because they have such a broader public appeal and they've done it deliberately with the content that they put out. And I think probably Meat Eater and Joe Rogan are a big part of why people are making this choice is because they're like, they see some of the ethical problems with um, buying shit in a packet in a supermarket Mm. and realizing that they're 15 steps removed from their food and they have no idea how it got into that packet. And so they're wanting to reconnect with nature, and I I like it. It's just um, how do we make that process and that understanding of what we're doing more widely available to the public? We've done a poor job of sharing what the spearfishing lifestyle is to people that are not interested in spearfishing. We kind of just, and a lot of us are like, we, we, we're a bit trolly, you know, a bit antagonistic a lot of the time. Like, And I see it and I understand it because it's like, you know, you're not going to make the effort to understand what we do. So you can get effed and here's a cheeky jab as well. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I see that too. I definitely mm. see that. On, on, particularly on social media, you don't see it in real life because you don't get those. Yeah, exactly. Life. But unfortunately, real life doesn't scale sometimes either, as no, you know. No, You can influence well, like the three people that you meet on the beach that day and that makes a yeah. huge difference. But like that, that's <laughs> different than influencing, you know, even the population of Tasmania. Mm, well, but particularly it, it is, Tassie is a slightly different place where you, when you do go to the beach, if you, you know, if you go to Bishnoi or, or um, let's say Greens Beach in, in the summer on, on the north coast, Bishnoi on the east coast or, or just Blackman's Bay down in the south coast, there's going to be a fair few people out there on a holiday. And, and if you take your spear gun out there, you're going to get some looks, but also there, a lot of the looks are going to be like, what? You know, you're just arriving in a <laughs> in a sedan. You're arriving in a Subaru Forester. It hasn't even got lifts lift kit on it. You know what? I was <laughs> expecting there to be like some massive, you know, dead bull head up the front and <laughs> all kinds, you know, yeah. all kinds of violent stuff. But it's it's um, you, particularly in Tassie, I think because it's a small place. Um, there is there is less trolling down here. <laughs> you see a lot less. You see a lot more respect and and a lot more of an effort to from everybody trying to talk to everybody in a in a a, a way that makes for a good discussion rather yeah. than just a this is shit and that shit and fuck you. <laughs> there's that, um, to bleep that one. Sorry. <laughs> there's something to that too. You know, like with increased urbanisation. And again, this is something I, I, I've have thought about a bit because from listening to Joe Rogan, you know, like he wanted to get out of LA and he's moved down to, you know, Texas, and um, it's different. Like the, I think urbanization creates this um, this arrogance and disconnection with our fellow people. Whereas mm-hmm. when you're probably in a bit more of a, a, a rural population like Tasmania, even your city like Hobart or Launceston, like are pretty small places. Like, um, and so. You, you don't treat everyone like they're some asshole that's out to take what you've got, you know, like you, you're not, I don't know. It's, it's, you're not all crowded into a frigging cage, I guess. So people are probably a bit more cool with each other generally. Yeah. And, and I mean, for, for some people, Tasmania does feel like a cage in the fact that it's, you can go wherever you want, but wherever you want, isn't that far away. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, you know, you, you're, there's a, there's pros and cons to being 
stuck knowing that you might bump into you know your ex-girlfriend or your your mother-in-law and 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 you know you can't avoid them but um it's actually something we have to do i often i often say to people yeah just make sure if you if you if you're gonna date anybody here just make sure they're not your cousin first (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of aussie folklore about that too from the other states and territories about tasmania for sure yeah. yeah. So talk about this last species um, that they've kind of zeroed in on. So this last species is a particularly interesting one um, just because, you know, like bastard trumpet, you can see that spearfish is, you know, we, we have more of an impact than, than the other species. Um, but banded morwong, which is the last species, is that in, in some opinion polls and, and, um, and the survey that I've done recently, it's it's the most supported band by Spiros. There's about 28% of, of Spiros that, that participate in the poll said, I I am for the ban on spearing banded Morwong. Um and I perhaps there, you know, there could have been a little bit of a um a a misunderstanding of, of what the opinion poll was actually about. Like are they saying that everything is going to be banned on banded Wong or, or is it just fearing? I don't think I wrote it particularly well. I think like just, you know, um, shaking with, with like, no, this can't happen. I need to stop this from happening. This, yeah. is, this is really, it's my passion. So, um, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's got a bit of controversy here and, and that is among Spiros in particular that that's because they're a slow growing species. They can get quite big, you know, um, like 70 centimetres, and they can live as long as humans wow. or longer. You know, they, they can get to almost 100 years old. Um, so often when you see a, an oversized Morwong, he's probably your age or maybe even twice as old as you are. So, yeah, um, they, you, they're quite common. Um, they're a pretty, pretty kind of abundant species in, in inshore waters in Tassie where Spiros can find them. Um, and they aren't caught online because, again, they, they don't take bait. Um, they've been previously declared a sustainable species, but because of their slow-growing uh, and, and long-lived nature, um, they, they're sensitive to fishing pressure. You know, you can, you can really wipe them out. So um, interestingly as well, with, with the opinion poll and the survey, most Spiros, myself included, don't take banded mormon. They don't actively fish for them. They want to. They, you know, um, more than seventy percent want the the the. They want to be able to, but they won't because they, you know, they have these. They are this slow growing species, and they're they're um like we care, you know, yeah, <laughs> we yeah. we do we do want to um, make a difference here, but uh, they are a commercially caught species for for live export um, within Australia. Um, but yeah, out of out of exported out of Tassie, um, followed by recreational gill netters. They take the next amount. So again, spirits are, are not uh, the the main cause of it here. Fifty three and a half tons of banded morwong are taken by the commercial industry, um, and the preliminary survey results suggest that. And this is kind of like way more, I think, than what we actually take. Survey results say that we take less than 500 kilos. So that's less than 1% of what the the commercial oh, sector is shit. taking. And and I I 
the analogy that I thought was if someone's bleeding from several stab wounds, do you treat the bleeding or do you smack the mozzie that's landed on his face? <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah. that's that's literally the 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 um the the amount that we're taking. It's 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 nothing. Yeah. Yeah, you've got someone with a major arterial bleed and you're putting a band-aid on their hand. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I understand your analogy. I, I think um, it seems like, again, like a lot of stuff pushes against spearfishing. It seems emotionally driven by people who have a poor understanding of what we do and, and the fish and the pressure that we actually represent. It's a bit scary thinking. I agree with you. It's a bit scary thinking that that's what's going on because these guys, the people who are making the, the, uh, the decisions here, they they should be fishers, right? And fishers tend to have a pretty good understanding of a better understanding of what spearers are like. You know, they they that's weird. That's so weird. You've identified like the predominant pressures on these fishers. Have you looked at um, their virgin biomass and what sort of numbers you guys are at in relation to them? And so, uh, how accurate are the is the science around? Yeah. It? Um, so I, I did, I, I studied at the University of Tasmania before starting Freedive Tasmania. And um, essentially, I, I don't have the exact figures in front of me, but yeah, we, virgin biomass is like, so when we started recording, I should say, because that's, we don't really, we don't have any data for virgin biomass. When we started recording, um, we had about, for most species here in Tasmania, we had like between 80 and 90% more than what we've got now. Um, you know, for things like crayfish, I think it's 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 a lot. <laughs> it's a huge okay. amount, um, and I fully believe that too. Because you know, back back in uh, I was talking to my student yesterday, um, and he said, "Oh yeah, back in the day when uh, convicts were around, they actually had a riot <laughs> saying we don't want to eat any more crayfish. Stop eating <laughs> this crayfish." <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it used to be so easily attainable and now it's like wow you've got a two kilo crayfish good work you know that's a very special thing and it is but it's 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 a very rare thing so yeah it's our virgin biomass is is far fewer than what it used to be yeah for, so, for almost every species so this 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 sort of ban on these species um it's page 15 of a larger document um yes. are there sweeping changes throughout for all forms of fishing or what's what's happening with this who so who's the, tabled the this main document? the main changes that are happening are geared towards sand flathead because that is the number one recreational species to to fish for in in tassie and and it's been um you know it's it's there, there's they've identified the bastard trumpeter are also a heavily fished species and things like that, but but they've been a heavily fished species, and they've told everyone it's a it's a more heavily fished species for a long time, um, even though there's there's not that many uh, factors that involve it 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 being taken. So um, you know there's there's a lot there 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 are other changes in there, but but the whole the whole reason why there's a big fuss getting kicked up about this is that. Um, Sand flathead are uh, being having seemingly drastic changes to their their uh, recreational catch. So they're increasing for for line fishes, not for spearers. They're increasing the uh, size limit to thirty five centimeters, um, and I think they're decreasing the catch limit. I can't remember exactly what it was. I I 
I don't I don't really mind too much because I think those those kind of regulations are great. You know, they're they're the ones that are uh, actually going to help this depleted fishery. Yeah, yeah. So so often the response of government to certain things is to pick on the least represented people. <laughs> you know and and you've got these niche vocal eco terrorists at times i'm not sure if this is the case down there by the way but it's like we're not we're not going to make rational decisions that actually make a difference we're going to do things that will get us the least complaint no one will make waves and we'll just be able to sweep this through and we can say, hey, we did something about that problem. Here's what we did. We banned spearfishing. And, I mean, the mm. result is, oh, sweet, there's 500 more banded morwong, 500 kilos more um, banded morwong in Tasmania when, when you know, that is negligible to the, to the actual biomass. Yeah. It, it seems just bizarre. How can people get yeah. involved in this and what, what what's your sort of – Let's go. Let's go for action. How can people support what's going on there? How can we get involved as people that are not locals as well? Is there are, are there some steps we can take to help? So um, I have I've reached out to AUF and and um, there's been there's been talk of getting a spearfishing club going for for a while. Um, you know, a proper club that you have to join up to and everything. Um, but uh, not just like a Facebook group that says you're officially a member when you've signed up here. Um, and and that will help us massively to to actually have a representative body saying yes. you know with with one voice we can say we are spiros this is what spiros think and and also have some self governing in there as well you know like so it's not just um, you know my survey saying that most spiros don't take banded morn uh, but we want it to be a thing and it will be like you know actually telling new spiros who come in you should do this or you should think about this. Um, so for one, yeah, it's uh, it's Tasmanians need to need to join the 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 club that doesn't exist yet, but um, <laughs> absolutely 100 percent as fast as I can rushing that through with with uh, and it's not just me as well. Uh, it's you know Cameron Smith is yeah he's yeah. he's been yeah, he's a great guy. He's, he's a awesome. legend. again, one of my really early students. Um, yeah. And and he's he's been working on the the spearfishing club as well. Um, I anyway uh, talking keeping on track talking about what we can do. Um, there's we can send an email to to the to scalefish um, the scalefish kind of de- department where where these uh, changes are coming in from. And I'll just um, it's scalefish dot review at nre.tas.gov.au. I'm going to link up everything we chat about so it's real easy for people. I'm going to put it in a step-by-step process. Um, Go to noobspiro.com forward slash sunny, S-O-N-N-Y. I'm going to link up everything we discussed today, including Sunny's survey, who you can email, how you can get involved, because, guys, we've got to look after each other. Um, These guys are making steps in the right direction towards getting representation um but sometimes with such an underrepresented sport there's very small numbers so sometimes it's great if the broader spearfishing community can help if it's relevant and needed so anyway sorry uh sunny please continue oh well yeah i mean that's that's a big one um particularly as well where 
I'm making a petition um, later this week so that once the the um, the survey results are, are made available, um, uh, there's as well we'll be we we're going to try and lobby the the fishermen not the sorry the fit not the fishermen um, the the fisheries the rec say again the fisheries department yep yeah the fisheries department Rickfish. to to actually get their um to to not just as as a whole lot of little emails but also as one one body saying like we don't want this this is important to us um and 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 yeah so so kind of keep tuned really um there, there's it'll be coming up on Taz Bureau's Facebook page and be very appreciated if you did want to uh link that up onto your site that'd be awesome um as well as as yeah it's 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 important to have discussions with the people around you there's you know so that you there's more people in general um you know that that understand that spearfishing is okay it's it's normal yeah. don't troll them please <laughs> um and and apart from that there is actual um for people in tasmania um there is uh, meetings coming up where fisheries are having public meetings where you can go to and talk to them and actually, um, you know, get more information there and 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 put your own word in as well. Um, there is a a uh, I'm making a major review that will be submitted before the May 29th. It'll be probably submitted um, in the first couple of weeks of, of May on the the proposed changes and that will be the big one to to kind of that we'll all submit together in a way just saying like this is due to these factors and this research which should have been done a while ago that you should have done before you started making these bands <laughs> that we've kind of had to do in a bit of a hurry shows that we shouldn't be banding spirits from from this and that and the other Ocean Guardian is the world's leading shark deterrent technology company. Since 2001, their independently proven and tested products have been allowing ocean goers all over the world to enjoy the ocean without a worry. With products for diving, spearfishing, surfing, snorkeling, boating and fishing, they've got you covered for all your ocean activities. Their technology is so effective, the Western Australian government offers a $200 consumer rebate for the purchase of the Freedom Plus Surf and Freedom 7. Uh, guys, get into it. We've got a discount code for you, 10% off your Shark Shield device. If you want to get the Freedom 7 or the Scuba 7, get 10% off. Use the code NoobSpiro at checkout. If you are at Ocean Guardian uh, US site or ANZ site, uh, get into it, get in amongst that Ocean Guardian are doing awesome things for Spiros. Hey guys, not sure how you stay hydrated out on the boats on those long days out on the water, uh, but staying hydrated is absolutely critical to Gourds. Good equalization and looking after your body, making sure you're not doing those awkward one-legged kicks to the surface when, when one leg cramps out on you. Go to aqualite.com.au and get yourself a box of sachets. You just simply add them to water. It's less than $1.28 per serve. It's cheaper and cheaper and healthier than any other sports drinks on the market. Aqualite will make a difference in your spearfishing. Check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NoobSpiro to save 10% on any order. Check it out, Aqualite, made in Western Australia. Equalizing problems can be something that derail you. 
Not today, my friend. Go to freedivingfamily.com. Check out the, either the Frenzel and Advanced Frenzel video or the Mouthful and Deep Frenzel Equalization course at freedivingfamily.com. You can use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. These courses are put together by Adam Stern and a select team of, of, of legends and to help you overcome different issues and help you perform better. And some of them are extremely relevant for freedive spearing. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. And sorry, I better get back. Um, your your preferred name is it Kayo or Sunny? Because I feel like I'm... I I wasn't going to pull you off on this. It's Kayo. Kayo. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Sunny's fine. That's a bloody long story. I, I'm not a big fan of my massive name. I just Kayo. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Kayo. Yeah. Kayo is that right? Oh. Yeah, it's a Maori name. Yeah. Oh, is it? So you want some heritage there? Yeah, a little bit. I think the only thing that really comes out and is is my slightly wider nose. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm wide as the widest boy out there. Yeah. Oh, well, 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 you you join. I'm I'm also part Mary as well from my mum's side of the family. So it's mm-hmm. it's funny. Uh, we're all we're all bitses these days, spread out all over yeah. the place. So it's yeah. Oh, good man. So I'm going to link up. Um, what we chatted about in uh, undernoobspirit.com forward slash sunny, even though we're calling you Kaya now. That's um, all good. <laughs> but then, uh, like, there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff linked up in there with a clear sort of pathway if you guys want to help and get involved. And please do, because we just got to stand together sometimes, you know. And because um, we're such a tiny lifestyle sport, you know, like, um, but though, for those of us that practice it, we, we know that the vast majority of us are active conservationists. We have that mindset, you know, like um, we want to be reconnected with nature. We don't want to destroy the resource. We, we want our children to go back out and do the same thing that we're doing. So, and I think sometimes with these negotiations, you've, you've got to be part of a realistic picture, which it sounds like you guys are, you know, you're already self-identified a, a couple of species that are vulnerable to the particular pressure of spearfishing. I mean, that's all we can do, you know, mm. and, be, and be part of a constructive process to make our fisheries management better. Um, that, yeah. Sometimes there's nefarious intent, but I legitimately think sometimes it's, you know, Occam's razor, it's just the simplest explanation. It's, it's probably not so nefarious. We're just low-hanging fruit. It's like, mm. hey, let's, let's ban spearfishing because – no one will make a fuss, um, and then it, f- it feels like we've done something about it. Whereas, really, they've done stuff all. When you really rationalise what they're trying to do, uh, what what why they're why they're banning spearfishing, it's because they think potentially, oh, well, hardly anyone takes them because they like within the spearfishing community, not that many people take them because it's between it's a slot limit and it's hard to gauge that limit in there if you use targets like I'm, everyone on my spearfishing course has to use targets and has to identify the right fish um size so yeah when when we when when there's a, a specific target there that yeah a keyhole or a slot limit that you have to get can be tricky um you might end up getting an undersized fish or an oversized fish also with different species it's like oh well you know, I thought that looked like a, a 35 centimetre flathead, but it's not. So now I've I've messed up. Slots, slot sizes are um, th- there's massive argument about the efficacy of them as a as a management tool. You know, due to like, you know, the larger ones being 
you know, either male or female and um, eating all of the smaller ones and then they're not able to breed anyway because, you know, and, and so sometimes we can, through our, our management process, it feels good what we're doing, um, a little bit like banning a species off the list, but whereas we can create an imbalance in our local ecosystem and unintentionally mm. actually make it worse. And um, this is why fisheries management needs um, needs to be done locally and have all different stakeholders with different knowledge involved. And mm, uh, it, mm. it can't be a shouting um, match. It's got to be like, okay, guys, we're here for this purpose. Um, is everyone in agreement with that? And then from that point on, like, hey, we want to preserve the resource and and or, or at least sustain or maintain what we have so that generations to come have the same thing. And then we move forward from there. Like, it doesn't need to be this overly emotional approach and these cr- – crude heuristics applied that you know like what what's the point of banning spearfishing from these species it, it, it doesn't it do, like after chatting with you it doesn't sound like there's any logic to it it's just just drivel yeah like it's it, there's there's we're a small group and of of us in this small group spearfishers in general um they we don't we can't take that many fish because it gets too bloody cold and and it's yeah. too hard. You know, you load the spear gun ten times, your arms are sore, and and that means okay, you get ten fish. Maybe you get more. You know, maybe you're going out with a hand spear and you're actually capable of getting more. A hand spear, you know, mind you, it's very short range. You're getting wrath at that point, and there's plenty <laughs> to go around. Um, so yeah, it's we we have the highest catch effort we have the least bycatch we have the highest landing rate we have the least pressure because we're a minority and we we have the the it's it's so and we're the most selective yeah the most selective yeah it's it's strange and and we um in being the most selective as well it's like i think um if a lion fisher goes out and he doesn't catch anything he's going to come back feeling a bit crap sometimes if a spearfisher goes out and doesn't catch anything, he'll come out and think, "Wow, so you know, water is beautiful good. today. I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm a bit disappointed that I didn't get any fish, but the 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 mental side of me feels a lot better being in the water. I want to be real yeah. honest. I've come back some days and I've been like, "Sweet, I don't have to do any filleting today." <laughs> but I, I like the, I like filleting, but don't get me wrong. But sometimes you get home, like maybe you've been out there for a big long day, and um, you don't have to clean slime out of your esky. You, you don't have to, you know, um, wash fillets uh, down the drain. Uh, sorry, um, scales down the drain. You know, like um, you wouldn't wash the fillets down. How yeah. do you? <laughs> but yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah. Let, let's let's move on a bit. Again, though, for people that want to get involved, um, noobspiro.com forward slash Sunny. Uh, I'll have a bunch of the stuff linked up there. Let's let's talk. Let's move on, Sunny, and, and chat a little bit about what drove you to become a free diving instructor. I want to talk about free dive Tasmania. Love love seeing this stuff, and um, sure. love hear love hearing how a lot of the spiros down there have started doing courses and just cluing up on some of the safety aspects and. Uh, it's great when Spiros teach freediving courses because whether you're teaching freediving or spearfishing courses, and I think if people can go and do a spearfishing course over a freediving course, um, that's fantastic. If you do a freediving course, I love it when Spiros do it with a person that understands spearfishing because they, mm. they are a bit different and there is some big conversations to be had around that. Yeah, well, look, I I started freediving more than 10 years ago. I'm 24 Um 
started freediving more than 10 years ago and I immediately became, I was crazed about it. Like I, I was early high school and I was doing this group project where I, I uh, well, sorry, not group project, this this very loose project where it was basically you, it's really self-driven. It's like you have six months and you can't, or, you know, you have one semester and by the end of the semester, you have one presentation to do. It's, uh, and like, you know, no, no other um, course was like that. No other little uh, that elective that we can do was like that. It was, everything else was like, right, you have to do real work here. And for this one, I put more work into it than all the others because I, I loved it so much. You know, I was like, wow, I can do whatever I want. Um, so I ended up getting into the, into the deep sea and then I changed my project a few times, like, uh, and ended up with freediving when I, I found out that, you know, it was really a thing. Um, and looking at how freedivers, how deep they go and, and how it changes their physiology, particularly the physiology really interests me as a, you know, as a 13-year-old kid. Um, you know, lungs getting crushed to the size of Coke cans and then coming back up. That's that's insane. Um, and, and when I started practicing it, I was like, wow, this makes me feel really good. Particularly as a 13-year-old, it's like, there's, there's a lot happening at that time. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so I I started holding my breath a lot. I was waking up, doing some stretches. Uh, you know, I hadn't ever done yoga in the morning or anything like that, but suddenly I was doing some uh, quite advanced breathing or breath yoga stretches like Udiyanda Bandha, pulling in my stomach and and um, and couple body and, uh, and also doing, um, a lot of O2 tables in the morning. Um, I had a headache that lasted through breakfast and then immediately after breakfast, <laughs> the headache could subside and I'd start holding my breath, doing apnea walks on the way to the school bus. And oh, right. like, Obsession. I, it was a huge amount. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I, I did get better and better. I was definitely overtraining. I had no idea what that was. Um, but yeah, I, hold my breath on the way to the school bus, hold my breath on the school bus, get to school, go to class, hold my breath. <laughs> and, uh, oh, lunchtime's around. I'd hang out with my friends for maybe half of it. And then in the other time, I'd just go into the library and like study free diving and hold my breath <laughs> and then go back home. Um, again, holding my breath on the way on the bus and then on the way back up, <laughs> just always holding my, I'd do CO2 tables right before sleep, which would absolutely knock me out and make me feel really blissful. And then in my dreams, I'd wake up holding my breath. Still. Like it was happening so much. So I loved it. Um, very quickly, I just got absolutely involved with it. Um, and I had a look around for freediving courses, but I was too young. Uh, yep. You weren't able to take them if you're, if you're under 15. And I, I still like, think it's shit, but yep. Yeah. I, so <laughs> I'll talk a little bit about that later. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, I started, yeah, I I. I started doing all my own deep research into it, like going, looking at, at what different techniques I can use to really get a, a very long static. Cause at that point, you know, 13 year olds can't drive cars. Um, so I was, uh, I was doing so much of my stuff was purely static based rather than um, other, other kind of techniques, just cause other disciplines, just cause you can do that anyway. Um, and I, potentially got myself into a bit of trouble um, really with with my body because I was doing these very 
advanced techniques and stretches like packing and things like that mm-hmm. and didn't, you know, without a coach or anything to tell me, oh, you shouldn't be doing that or like, yeah. hey, let's let's try that but let's let's do that right um, and or even forget about that. You have to focus on so many other things before you end up there. So I ended up, um, I'd black out a huge amount as a kid um, <laughs> out of the water but, yeah, I'd black out several times a week, maybe maybe like five six times a week i'd say um That's maybe even more actually um just because I'd, I'd often do max statics and particularly when i was experimenting with packing which was a long time before anybody you know no one knew that i was uh, no one knew enough about freediving to tell me to not do that and the people who did didn't know that i was doing it so um i i'd black out a huge amount and it was i might have done a little bit of, of um damage to my lungs with that because I, I do, I'm extremely sensitive to lung stretches now in terms of blacking out. They do make me hit the hay rather quickly. Um, wow. I have to be very careful with lung stretches and things. So, um, yeah, I I absolutely loved it. Anyway, um, I've got a couple of really great stories of blacking out in public places in, <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a kid. But, uh, yeah, I... Um, I ended up thinking, no, nah, I don't need to take a course. You know, screw this. I'm if if I if there's all this information online, I can be good enough to just take one. Yeah. Um, you know, I can I can just learn it myself. I don't have to take one. And when I was 17, I was freediving again on my own because there wasn't that that community yet. Uh, and I diving just in a really calm place in the middle of you know, a very popular scuba diving spot called um, Warbs Bay in Bishano in Tasmania. Really lovely place. Um, and I, there were some scuba divers down there and I was like playing around with them, being a bit cheeky, um, like hiding behind one of their, one of, one of their backs while the other person was like, mm, mm, right behind you. And, uh, and they just like turned around and couldn't see me. And I, all of a sudden I was like, oh, oh, I'm getting this feeling that I know I'm, I'm about to black out because I'm very, um, you know, like I, I'm very experienced with blacking out, you could say. I know the feeling. So I, I was on my way back up to the surface thinking, shit, this is going to be close, not happy. Um, came up to the surface, broke the surface and blacked out on the surface. And, um, you know, like my, my vision went from kind of just normal to sparkly to tunnel vision to just nothing for the last five meters or so. I was filming the whole thing as well, filming with a homemade selfie stick thing. Um, since deleted the footage, which is not so good. Um, I should have kept it because it was it would have been great to show my students. Um, got up to the surface and took in a little, a real tiny little shaky breath, and then blacked out and had massive um, samba and things. It was not pretty. And then because of that tiny little breath, maybe after like three, four, five seconds, I I woke up again. My initial thought was, who am I and where am I? Um, it, like it was very, I remember that quite well because that was like a quite a big panicky thing, like shit. Um, that was a pretty interesting dream I just had. <laughs> um, and and then realised, you know, after a little while, what had, you know, after a few seconds, what had happened and felt shaky with like, fuck I that was really close um and and I I had to you know on my way swimming back in I I thought did I did that really happen 
and and I got out of the water and I was like, uh, I need to take a course. There's something's going wrong here. I need to take a course. You know, I, I thought I was fine. I knew not to hyperventilate. I um, knew not to push my limits. Seems like I was doing the same dive as all my other dives. Why did this happen? And then I found out once I did end up taking a course um, that I, you know, I firstly I was pushing my limits. I I just didn't know that that's where my limits were, and I was thinking, yeah. So um, that was the main thing. That I was still hyperventilating. It's just that I I knew I shouldn't use that word. So I was I was still breathing too much, but I just wasn't um, wasn't fully aware of it. And and uh, and particularly on that day, I didn't realize that having a small, you know, even if it's a, a little cold or something like that, or a flu that you're not even aware of, but it's 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 there, is really affecting your your breath hold in a huge mm. way. So particularly when we when we are, you know, when, when we're diving, let's say we have a, a bottom time of two minutes. If you're diving to a minute thirty, that's that's still a fair while. To be spending down there, and and twenty five percent is not much in terms of kind of uh, safety safety margin. Yeah, yeah. So coming coming back up was I was still pushing my limits too much, and um, and on 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 this course, I also found out how crap I was at uh, at being a free diver in general. I was good at at free diving, but I didn't I didn't have very good safety procedures or anything like that. I it was terrible with focus on my body um because i'd never had one really um and and yeah and and i immediately felt like wow i have a lot to improve on so i did um and i ended up then after a year or so of feeling like i'm improving i went to hawaii took my advanced course because i thought i you know this is great i need to keep going i then took my uh master course and my instructors in sunshine coast with adam yeah, uh, pressure project. Uh, yeah, with Francisco uh, or Adam? Uh, with Adam, with Adam Sellers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, same as me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cool. Um, and it, and it was really, it was really good. You know, uh, when I came back down, I, I felt like I could, I felt confident to teach rather than you know because I had been running different um, training groups, uh, but they were just training groups, and it's just like right please help me pay for the pool so that we can all have a good time rather than like it. Right. This is going to be a thing where people who want to learn, people who I don't know, Mm. they can come together and and actually experience it. And Tassie needed that. At the Mm. time I was the only instructor in Tassie um, and and it was, you know, I was so close to becoming a statistic in, in, you know, people who, who start free diving but don't take a course. Man, I'm I'm grateful you're with us, Kaya. I, I <laughs> no, straight up, I am. And but I also, you know, like your passion and and froth for it is 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 evident. And I, because you've done everything wrong, you now have a great framework for teaching others, um, mm. and a great a bit of life experience. And even though you're 24, you've you've packed a, a lot of um, bad. And, and maybe unwise uh, diving into that time, and that's given you probably a really cool take on how you teach your students. Um, yeah, I think um, there's a large proportion – well, no, sorry. There is a small contingent of older divers that really dislike freediving courses, uh, mm. possibly not in Tasmania, but uh, – There are no, in- plenty here too. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. 
And they will tell you the same heuristic. They'll say never longer than a minute and, you know, dive under 15 metres. And when you're starting, you start at 10, never more than 10 metres and you add a metre per year for every dive you every year you've dived and they have these heuristics to help us overcome some of these poor decision making things that a lot of people that have great ability and possibly learn at more advanced knowledge early they have these things that just sort of help they think it helps young people but there's guys like you and me that are we're a bit um we fancy ourselves that self-experimenter we're going to get in and we're going to have a crack and we're going to see what we can do and those those crude rules are not enough to keep us contained because we want to know why. And there's a whole generation of guys that do it. And so we, we, we have to do a freediving course so that we understand all of it. And um, that's why I like freediving courses that are taught, taught by Spiros, though, because we have a far greater understanding of the context of how we use these techniques. Killfish with precision and power Sending shafts from a stable platform with kill shot spear guns. Made in the Florida Keys by Ed Martin, you're buying American made dependable spear guns. Get $30 off any kill shot spear gun at killshotspearguns.com. Yes and amen, Nuba. That's $30 off American made performance spear guns at killshotspearguns.com. Ed says if they're in the shop or on the phone, they can cash in by saying, Crikey, mate, or the Noob Spiro podcast sent me. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com. Based in the Florida Keys. In the world of freedive spearfishing, there's no magic breathing technique that's all of a sudden going to get you down and shoot massive fish at depth and holding big bottom times, but there is a way to do it safer and smarter, take down more fuel to maximize the time that you have there. Learn at noobspiro.com forward slash TED with Ted Hardy from Immersion Freediving. If you take down more fuel, you can stay for longer. Learning to take a bigger breath is not such a big deal. Ted breaks it down for you with a free online course at noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. Take down 20 to 30% more air just by learning how to take a full breath. Again, learn how to do it free at noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. Another question for you. When I was scuba diving, I had two instructors. The first one was a farmer who had a pool in South Taranaki and he had a five-metre dive well on his farm. And he was such a rad dude. He was such a cool guy. He instilled and helped and kindle a flame in me for a love of the ocean and diving. It was scuba diving at the time. But we also did a bit of free diving, and with very little training, by the way. I think in those days you got given a free diving qualification when you did your scuba diving. And then, and then I switched over with another instructor and went through to master scuba diver instructor or something with Paddy. And this guy was at the back end of his career and he was purely just trying to make some money before he retired. And he was so strict and boring. He squeezed the life out of the joy of the underwater world and teaching and stuff. Having had the experience you've had, right, with blackouts and seeing people blackout and hearing all the stories, how do you find this medium between like froth and then actually giving people a tangible amount of wisdom to make their own decisions in a smart way about you know diving and stuff i i tell all of my students especially my spearos um or you know spearfishers who are taking a free diving course rather than spearos taking a spearfishing course that it's okay 
<laughs> I'm not going to yell at you for diving alone. You know, if, if you dive alone, that's purely on you. And particularly in Tassie where the network is still building itself and the weather windows are, you know, not always when your days off are happening or when your mate's days off are happening. I, I tell them, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get mad at you, but you need to know the risks. You need to make your own decisions there about how you go out. And at the end of the day, no one is going to wake you up if you don't take a buddy. You are not going to wake yourself up if you, you know, if you do blackout. Um, and and it is, it's something that I like to think, I think the, the way you get those old folks to change their minds is to scare them. And I can't scare them. I can show them some, some you know, some messed up uh, spearfishing blackouts and things like that where it's like super close or something like that. But in the end, the way that they get scared is they make a mistake, but it's a mistake that they don't get punished for. So um, <laughs> uh, Cameron Smith, uh, again, one of my students, was um, he used to dive a lot more on his own and this one particular dive who was diving with Michael Siriani. Uh, so these two guys diving with each other, one of them shoots a fish, the spear gets stuck underneath the a rock of the cave and the line wraps around his fin. He's caught there for a moment. He's tangled. He panics. It scares the shit out of him. He looks down and he, he sees that he can just kick himself through, free. He goes up to the surface. He's okay. But from that point on, Cameron never went out without a buddy, really, or without making a big effort. And if he did go out without a buddy, it would be, you know, some, it would be a really shallow dive where he's hardly, you know, free diving at all. Um, and, and it's, that's important. You know, that's, that is the kind of, the, the kind of experience that will absolutely change your mind. And it's something that, you know, I, you talk to somebody else who, who hasn't had that experience and they'll say, oh, well, but, you know, he should have just got his knife. I would have just got his. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you, you, you're not going to feel it the same way that he felt it unless you were there yourself. And I guarantee, you know, even if you did have to reach for your knife, that's already too far gone. <laughs> you're, if by the time you reach for your knife, you're not calm anymore. A lot of the time with Spiros too, like you might have spent a bit of time on the bottom, the fish finally comes in, you take the shot, it holds up, you go for the fish mm. until you're at the back end of your breath hold and then you go for the surface. And then, you know, unfortunately, like um, we're on a single breath of air and stuff happens. Mm. And so, yeah, look, our main risk mitigation strategy is having a buddy who's active and watching us mm. on the surface. Who's focused. Yeah, focused on us. It, it, like it's something that I say to, to my Spiros again. It's like the, the rules say that, you know, you, you have to have one up, one down. You have to be uh, always looking at your buddy if they're diving. And, and that's it's like you need to know where they are at all times. Yes, mm. you do. You do need to know that. But you know, you can dive with them. You can go. That's just ridiculous. And and you know, you can, provided that you're you you are focused on them and on something else. What you're doing, you you know where they are. You can go diving together. You can get more fish than if you were diving alone. Mm. So it's yeah, it's. Mm. I still find myself sometimes when I go out, if we're diving shallow stuff, and I'm with the guys I know. Sometimes we, I'll be honest, we 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 separate out. But then if we're diving any sort of challenging stuff, the group comes back together. 
I, I find for myself because I'm quite capable of doing both, like just going out and wanting to hunt by myself and, you know, it's great having people not spook fish around you. Um, but the other side of it is if you just shift your mindset towards like taking pride in the fact that you're watching your mate through a whole dive and then as he's coming to the surface, like, and you you shift your reward, internal reward system towards like, hey, I, you know, like I, I've, I'm looking after my mate. You know, that's that's my metric for success for the day is just like making sure that he's all good and he goes home to his wife and kids. Like, um, but it's a shift in mindset. And um, it's hard too when you're diving with someone who's a bit selfish or whatever and they – they are never there for you and you're forever chasing them. But sometimes it's just like, and then th- they may shoot more fish than you because they're diving really selfish. Yeah. And then if you compared each other, if you compared yourselves with just how many fish you threw on the boat, like it's a, it's the wrong metric because mm. it's like, well, I looked after you and you were a douchebag to me. You threw three fish over the boat and I threw over one, but Hey, like I, I actually looked after you, you know, like, and then, mm. We, you know, like I, I don't know. Sometimes it's just, it's just the things I think about when I'm out there. But I, I'm, yeah, I, totally. I, I also sometimes just swim off by myself as well, and I can, you know, I, I, I preach hard, but I, um, yeah. But I, but you know, when you when you've been doing it a bit longer too, I'm not, I'm not giving myself an excuse, but it, it's a choice. And the other guys I'm with make the same choice. I think mm. you've you've got to have a bit of a frank discussion about it and um, come to an agreement. Because if you go if you go off by yourself, you're 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 taking a hundred percent responsibility for it. You don't have mm. a risk mitigation strategy, and you're not looking after your mates either. And and really, that there, there is no actual risk mitigation strategy that you can have when you are on your own. I've I've heard lots of, again, like with that, you know, um, having those rules there, those old old folks having the rules of like, well, you have to, you know, only dive below fifteen meters and things like that. Like when I blacked out. I was diving below 15. Um, but, and, you know, I've heard rules that are like, um, or, or not mitigation strategies that are, that are like, oh, if I feel myself starting to black out, then I'm going to hold my weight belt instead yep. of keeping it on me. I'm going to hold it there. And if I black out, I'll drop it. Yeah. Float up at this. You're still blacked out. Yeah. You're not going to wake yourself back up. Doesn't matter. Cool. You're on the surface. Easy to find your dead body. That's mm. it. And it's, I think, um, it's it is you're putting the responsibility of your life onto yourself but you don't realize that your life is not just yours you know if you've got a family these are guys with families who are saying that kind Mm. of thing got a family their life your life is extremely important to them and they're dependent on you it's it's yeah um it's very important to to know the risks and if you are going to take that responsibility into your own hands, then you do it as best you can. And I, I go to the pool on my own. I go to the waterhole on my own. I go, I go, jump in the water on my own sometimes. Um, but yeah, there's no way I'm free diving like I do when I'm with buddies. And and it's it's something that's different for everybody. But you you really do have to watch it. Yeah. Share share with me a, a frothy moment for you, like a hunt that you remember or a a, a dive that just stands out to you. Um, honestly, I think, I think one, it it wasn't, wasn't a spearfishing one. I went, when I went to Hawaii, I went to Kauai and it was, which is one of the westernmost islands. 
And I, I didn't, I made my own hand spear over there out of uh, a Walmart like prong head, paralyzer head, and a long bit of um, metal that I found in a tip yard somewhere. And then, um, and a, and a, oh, and also the, the rubber band that, that you get at the back um, <laughs> was from, also from Walmart. And it was a very interesting little kind of contraption and I there was this one place called Tunnels Beach which the road it it was just after some massive floods like two and a half meters of rain or something in in a day or less um yeah crazy and there's so many houses that were you know destroyed buildings destroyed roads destroyed um so I I grabbed a kayak and paddled around to this place called Tunnels Beach which was off limits because you couldn't get there by road um, and I, I jumped in the water there with, without fins, cause they were too, too much to, to carry and to hang on to. Um, when, when you're in this tiny little, basically not much more than a kid's kayak, um, it was maybe like three, three K paddle. It wasn't that far, but it was like, far enough. I didn't want to have to carry too much extra stuff. Yeah. So, um, and then I, I walked along the beach, found this place that I, I knew was really good. I'd heard just, oh, yeah, it's got nice diving there because there's tunnels and I didn't see any footage or anything. I just thought, this looks good. So I went underneath um, looking for these tunnels. I'm like, it's so shallow. And I saw this crack that just seemed to drop down. I was, you know, I was in maybe half a metre of water, still standing up. And looking down, it was, this crack just, it seemed to go down a very long way. So I thought, well, I'm going to give it a bit of a go in there. I stuck my head in looked underneath and um, I went down into this crack, saw the light rays curtains coming down on top of me. There was a beautiful shark in this cave that opened up. It was one of the lava tunnels and I thought, this is awesome. I swam along here just with my (laughs) hand spear and my no fins through this cave um, looking for the next patch of light that would kind of come through and show where the next you know, place I could come up was, and, and it was, was spectacular. I ended up seeing some GTs that day, but I, there was no way I was going to go for them with my little hands. Yeah, yeah. Full metal, very heavy. I was using it as a weight belt more than anything. Um, and, uh, but I, I ended up just, yeah, that, that was, that whole trip out there was really amazing because of the, the, the how, how I felt so proud of my, my, um, my hand spear and then how blown away I was about this beautiful place that was out there. Um, so yeah, that, that and I, I feel like that was a, and that was on my own as well. I should add. Um, yeah. On my own without fins, not too many, um, not easily accessible by, uh, anything really. It was kind of remote, even though it was just off the beach really. Um, and, yeah, that that was one of my favourites. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a distinct memory. I, I, yeah, I can relate to your story. Um, Kai, man, I've had a magic chat. It feels like we haven't even scratched the surface on like your time <laughs> in the water. I did want to briefly touch on um, Freedive Tasmania. You also have a spearfishing shop there and at, at, at your place. Is that right? Yeah, I do. It's um, <laughs> so I I started Freedive Tasmania because I wanted people to be able to get. Uh, get qualifications all year round. I was working for a dive shop for a bit, but the the manager didn't care about free diving 
they gave me one course basically and then I, I was waiting and waiting and waiting. I just thought, no, nah, screw it, I'll start teaching on my own. And um, and the price was also very high. I didn't really like that. So I thought I want to make it accessible, you know, because the 17-year-old me that almost blacked out, um, almost died, did black out, would have wanted that, that mm. access there, um, that year-round access in particular. So I, that's why I started Freedive Tasmania. The shop I started very recently as well because Tassie doesn't have a good spearfishing freediving shop. It's okay. it's that is that it has spearos and freedivers there behind the counter who've tried all the gear, you know, who, who actively use that gear themselves often, you know, um, yeah. rather than like, oh yeah, no, I go scuba diving, you know, ninety nine times out of a hundred, and then one time I do go freediving, I it's you know it's it's not I I dust off the gear and and then go out and you know I haven't tried too many things, so um, I started the the shop there because I wanted. Wanted people to be able to get good stuff that I was using myself that I thought was good, and I also wanted it to be cheaper too. Because um, again, the dive shops they the the limited gear that they did have seemed to have some pretty crazy markups on it. So I I again I wanted to make it accessible. So I brought down the price, and I ended up um, you know having having this little shop out the back of my house. <laughs> it's cool. just in the backyard. Um, it's yeah. Um, it meant I didn't have so many, you know, overheads and whatever else to, to start it up. So yeah, oh. it's, it's, that's why I was there. Yeah. Yeah. That is how you can get some of the margins down. I, yeah, like the, the price of spearfishing gear is a conversation all on its own. I, <laughs> I look at some businesses though, and they create content for new people. They have dedicated specialist people. And you can, and then you look at the re, the cost of retail rent. And you can understand some of the mm. markups to an extent. I love telling people to go to local stores because mm. building relationships with local people that will sell you awesome gear year after year. It's worth the ten percent price hike than buying it online is. And um, I have a ten percent discount, so my prices are basically the same as as online anyway. Oh, wow. But don't tell too many people about that. Ten percent discount for students. I mark down everything yeah. to be at basically online anyway, so it's cheaper than than going online often. Um, but don't tell everybody that because then I'll have to. <laughs> it's a huge amount of work <laughs> to keep restocking and things. I've never oh. done it before, so I've, I was. It's, oh um, mate, yeah. <laughs> and then the problem is too, you end up carrying like a thousand different. And and look, with spearfishing, you can go down a rabbit hole. You can, you know, there's like you know, 50 or 60 brands of wetsuits these days. There's another 50 brands of spear guns. There's easily 50 brands of spear guns. Um, I I might be making this a lot harder for myself, but I am starting up a brand as well <laughs> <laughs> of spearfishing and, and freediving stuff. So, okay, cool. um, yeah, uh, it's, it's that, that, and it's something to do over winter. I think it's a good yep. project to do and have it ready for summer, but um, I'll, I might have be hopefully be on for another episode though, because otherwise I'll be here all day. That sounds <laughs> good, brother. All good, man. Um, so people can come to today's show notes, uh, noobspirit.com forward slash sunny. I'm going to link up your Instagram, everything we chatted about today, as well as freedivetasmania.com. Mate, it's awesome. Love, it. love what you guys are doing down there. Love, love seeing the community. It's such a, it's got such a cool vibe about it. Um, so awesome. 
Fantastic. I really appreciate you having me on the interview, especially at short notice. Um, with with the you know that that band coming in, it's 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 priority number one at this point. Yeah, we'll get this episode up straight away. So hopefully, um, you know, our community can sort of um, get behind um, lobbying really against this uh, initiative, and then um, getting getting involved. Maybe I, I love the fact that you guys are starting a club too, and um, uh, I'm sure the AUF would be happy to have a have a uh, a club down there in Tassie representing you guys because um they're doing good things now trying to you know get organised for international comps and um and they do lobby at a federal and state level for us so it's pretty cool awesome yeah no I can't wait <laughs> all good uh, Kaya um, magic chat fantastic thanks so much Isaac. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed today's interview with Kyo. Uh, had an absolute blast. Freedive Tasmania. Uh, I mean, Tasmania is just an awesome destination in general. I hope you got that vibe from today's episode and I hope you get involved with um, helping to fight this legislation. So go to noobspirit.com forward slash sunny and uh, get amongst it. Get amongst it, my friends. Come back in one week. We've got Chat GPT. Discussing that with uh, Trevor Kitchen, James Sacker. We talk about the 10 ethical concerns with spearfishing that ChatGPT identifies. We talk about this uh, AI technology and its potential impact on spearfishing. And as usual, it's a lively chat. So, hey, guys, if you love the podcast, considering bec- consider becoming a patron listener. Go to patreon.com forward slash noobspiro. Join 45 other legends helping to power the podcast on an episode-by-episode episode basis. I've got some cool bonuses coming up for patrons at the moment. Uh, I have a four-part at this stage um, audio series on breathwork. And I am really hoping that it's received well. I'm going to use my patrons as crash test dummies to see how it goes so go to patreon.com forward slash noobspiro if you want to get amongst that and um, thanks for being a legend and pumping fuel in the noobspiro airport i'll catch you for chat gpt in one week see ya danny says adreno you guys are ahead of the game price is very competitive customer service is fantastic speed of delivery from your warehouse is the best i've ever experienced and everything i have purchased was in stock great experience highly recommend these guys for anything to do with what happens and what you need to get under the water that review from danny check him out at adreno.com.au these guys do a fantastic job outfitting noob spiros from all over particularly australia but check them out at adreno.com.au you can save 20 dollars on every purchase over 200 not only can you use it online but you can also use it in store they've got two stores in brisbane they've got the gold coast sydney melbourne perth Check them out. They are doing good things. Adreno.com.au Absolutely mint customer service. Specialty spearfishing equipment, elite spear gun performance components, unforgettable reliability. You want to find out where to buy this? Punchaneptonics.com and shop at the best US spearfishing store. Neptonics.com. Free shipping to the lower 48 when you spend over 199 and you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10%. This is your chance to save DOSH, buy deadly good gear, and experience A-grade customer service. Will you shop with the best? Visit naptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to start shooting 35-pound muttons tomorrow. 
Actual performance may differ from advertisement. Please refer to terms and conditions to see if you're eligible to be a legend like Shrek. This advertisement was not even endorsed by Jerry and the team at Electronics. Hoorah and God bless America.